This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment, and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Welcome to the 100th episode of the MLS UK show. I'm still Elliot Holman. And for the 100th time... I'm Henry Hewitt. 300. You forgot about all the outtakes. Yeah, we do record a lot of episodes that then get binned or <laughs> you, one of us forgets to record. Oh, yeah. and Have you switched the cameras on? Yes, the cameras are recording. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for the 100th time on the MLS UK show. Yes. Um, it's safe to say we've got a bit of a special guest on this show, which we're very, very excited to tell you about very soon. Lots of uh, MLS playoff chat, lots of MLS Cup preview as well. Um, and I heard a rumor hmm. that finally, finally, we are going to the place where I've wanted to go for the last 100 episodes in Henry's Guide to North America. Disneyland? No. No. Okay. Uh, they, we, I may have saved it for episode 100, but we'll see. We'll go see on, later. Go. Um, go on. Yeah. 100 episodes. Honestly, the, you know, uh, this is incredible. We started this as a, a passion project. You had been to America and watched some Orlando games. Yeah. We worked together on the radio and I was just like, right, will you shut up talking about Orlando? I'll watch a game. <laughs> and honestly, one of the best decisions I ever made. We love doing it. We love the fact that people are watching and listening as well. And, uh, you know, this community, this MLS community, we feel a part of that is, is massive. And yeah, we really appreciate everything so thank you if you've ever watched listened uh, subscribed if you don't subscribe why don't you subscribe for the next 100 episodes uh but yeah it's uh, no it's, it's been a pleasure hasn't it and you you mentioned the the community the mls community uh last night in manchester you were watching the uh mls cup playoffs with the cooligans 
I didn't get an invite. Uh, yeah, it was um, in Manchester. So it, we were meant to, they, they messaged us a few weeks ago. They were in London and they said, why don't we, you know, catch up and meet up? And uh, unfortunately, our schedules meant we, that we couldn't do it. Uh, but then I noticed that they're in Manchester this week. They've been watching Man United v Arsenal. So I, yeah, I messaged Christian and uh, and he said, oh, we, we could be watching the NYCFC game in Manchester uh, on Sunday. Messaged me on Sunday going, we're going to be at Tib Street Tavern. And I'm like, guys, I have spent a lot of time in Tib Street Tavern. I know where that is. Uh, so, yeah, met with him. And I've got to say, the weirdest part of it all was the fact that Tib Street Tavern, I think I think Alexis had been and told them, hey, we're on the TV in America. So they closed the bottom part <laughs> of the... Um, uh, Henry Hewitt from the MLS UK show, kind of a big deal. I did. I didn't say it. He said when the when we left, he said, "Oh, it's so great to have uh, you guys here." And he said, uh, "You really seem to that the Cooligans is a big part of MLS." And I went, I went "And the MLS UK <laughs> show is." Guy looked at me like I don't have a clue what that is. But, shut up. Um, well, no, seeing them after the final whistle. Um, I said, "Well, on the final whistle, they said I can I can show this." This is a video of their reaction at the final whistle, and this is what I was watching the match with. So you see there, it was uh, it was quite eventful. Um, yeah, we were at the bottom of this bar, and there were people who had just watched the Formula One finish, uh, who were in the top uh, the top level of the bar. And I, at one point, I went outside because uh, I didn't get any signal downstairs, and I could just hear them downstairs and people upstairs going, "Who are these American guys watching MLS? Like what?" So uh, no, it was great. And then having uh, Christian Alexis singing. New York City FC songs through the, the streets of Manchester, which I can safely say has never, ne- happened. never happened. Maybe Manchester City, but definitely not NYCFC. Uh, and yeah, and they got to the final uh, on Sunday. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, fair credit to him. We're going to talk more to uh, our guest about this. Obviously, Philly had problems, but fair play. NYCFC, they've been good this season, especially the latter part. And they've, they've shown enough to tell me that this weekend should be a great game. Uh, we'll reveal who our guest is in a second. First, though, um, we need to start, as we always do, with the game with the changing name. For the hundredth time. hundred of these. That's true. We've done a hundred of these. Yeah, about That's... 12 of them was Michael Mancia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's on the list quite a few times, I'll be honest. Um, okay, now this is more of a special one. A, because it's our hundredth episode. And B, because it involves a club who crop up a little bit later in our chat. So this particular player, Henry... Mm. Uh, who's played both in the UK and in MLS. That's the uh, pretense for this game. Uh, I'm going to have to do it a little bit differently because I think uh, it might be a bit too easy. Uh, So this player has played for Preston North End, who feature heavily in our chat with our guest. Well, strangely, yeah. Um, I bet you already know who it is. Uh, Is it our guest? It's not. <laughs> no, they didn't end up playing for him, but go on. Uh, so they've played for Preston North End. Okay. They've won MLS Cup. Right. And they've won the Premier League. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Okay. I know who this is. 
I know who this is. Special one for our 100th episode. An uh, easy one for our 100th episode. Send us, send us your guesses at MLS UK Show on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I had to go with the Preston link just because uh, just because of what we talk about a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, send us your guesses at MLS UK Show. Don't just skip to the end because you don't need to. It's so easy. <laughs> no, I think uh, if you if you know that this player played for Preston, if, if, if you're giving any more clubs, it's going to really give yeah, you away, yeah, yeah. especially the MLS team. But... Uh, get in touch if you know. Uh, right, we're going to talk to our guest very soon. But first, here's a word from me and Elliot about our sponsor. Over to me. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. So with only two teams left in MLS Cup, it's time to turn our attention to next season. You need to get yourself kitted out with all of the latest merch and rep your team. And you need to head to Soccer90.com. Yes, MLS teams on there. I noticed Charlotte are about to now uh, yeah. uh, reveal their shirt, so I'm sure they'll be on there at some point. But remember, it doesn't matter who you support in MLS, whether you want international shirts or if you want European shirts, if you use the code MLSUK at the checkout, you get an extra 25% off. Yes, tell them we sent you uh, Soccer90.com. The MLS UK Show. So for our 100th episode, we thought we'd go big. We'd go so big. I've got some stats here. He's an MLS MVP 2005, Golden Boot winner 2005, Best MLS 11 2002-2005, MLS Cup runner-up 2007, US Open champion 2007, Gold Cup winner 2007, 30 appearances for the US men's national team with six goals and the 10th highest scorer ever in MLS with 101 goals. You know it is by now. Taylor Twelman is on the MLS UK show. What's up, guys? How are you? I really appreciate the fact that you didn't introduce me as uh, one of three players to lose four MLS Cups three in a row. So thank you for taking that off the bio. Well, we're going to talk about MLS Cup shortly, so don't worry. We'll mention that then. <laughs> um, we also didn't mention that a uh, friend of the show, John Champion, you, yep. you guys have got a bit of a bromance going on. Yeah, I, honestly, it's been one of the highlights of my career, both as a player and not playing. And, and John's not on here, so I can talk nicely of him. <laughs> um, he's one of the best, uh, if not the best, great guy off the field. Uh, but I've learned so much about broadcasting with him, just being next to him. He's kept me accountable. He's made me better. And I'm just greatly appreciative that uh, I've got to spend some real time with him. Yeah, well, it was an absolute pleasure getting him getting him on the show to to preview uh, MLS Cup, of course, and and, and the playoffs. Uh, and I I heard he's putting a good word about us to you, so uh, we appreciate that. And it's a pleasure to have you on for our one hundredth episode. Thank you. I know one hundred, man. This is like I'm like a I'm kind of a big deal for this, aren't I? This is not bad. <laughs> I, I like think, this. as you may have gathered from the intro, I think you were kind of a big deal before you came on this podcast. <laughs> I think you're all good. For, first off, I would I in my own mind, I'm a big deal so whether or not people think i am or not it doesn't matter i think i am so that's cool um so you said there about obviously working with john you was with him last night we we're recording this on monday the day after the philadelphia new york city match uh, i mean you've got a feel for philadelphia right with what happened with them but um what was the atmosphere like because on tv it looked incredible it was insane uh honestly it was one of those philly is a fantastic sports town i mean it, and there's always the the stories of when they threw snowballs at Santa Claus at the Eagles games. And there's something so special about going to Philadelphia in any sport and playing. And it was a real Philadelphia crowd. And it's just unfortunate circumstances, as you said, because for COVID to wreak havoc 
at the level that it did when it hadn't done so in over 430 games in MLS in 2021 to have it like that. Uh, it just was a kick in the, in, you know, what for the union and the fact that they made a game out of it says something, but even more so they lost a game on a self-inflicted air. So Philadelphia is going to feel hard done by, but the atmosphere, the game, it had a real edge to it. Uh, there was obviously jeopardy on the line. Uh, it was one of those games where you pinch yourself because you're like, I feel lucky I'm in this building. We we often credit uh, Philadelphia Union for obviously the incredible job Jim Curtin's done there and, and the roster that, that he's built. They really showed the true depth of that squad. And like you say, conceding off an error, essentially, doesn't it just prove what a great job he and the team there have done? Absolutely. But Elliot, honestly, if you think about it, if they win that game, they better build a statue. Because to, to, to have those circumstances less than 72 hours before a game, not, you have to cancel training. You can't even get the group together. That group had two trainings together, and one of those two trainings was still at, at half pace because they didn't get the COVID test back yet. And so you know, it just it, it was one of the more complicated situations and to get a game out of that. Now, in saying that, their style of play is one that suits reserves coming in feeling comfortable being in that being very proactive and making the game combative and making the game high pace so that makes it a little easier versus if you're coming into a system and you're trying to technically dictate the game and try to dictate the game with your passing and spacing but so what they they played a center back in Aurelian Collin that had played more than one minute since 2019 and you can make a real good argument he was the best player on the field for Philadelphia so Jim Curtin is a special coach. I'll be shocked if he stays in Philadelphia uh, much longer because I think he has aspirations to test themselves at a higher level, maybe even higher franchises within Major League Soccer. But Jim Curtin's one of those special ones. Yeah, I mean, we've seen rumors recently uh, linking him with the Cincinnati job. I don't know with, with their recent history, whether that, when you're saying sort of bigger franchises, whether they would fall into that. But I guess with a new stadium and their aspirations, is that a team you maybe could see him going to? You know, they spend more money. Their infrastructure's better than Philadelphia in the sense that their stadium's arguably the best in this league, if not the best. U.S.-Mexico proved that. Uh, their training facility is better. Philadelphia spends more money on the academy. They've got a better academy system. So when you try to compare that, uh, I don't know that. I don't think he leaves Philadelphia for Cincinnati, mainly because I don't think Philadelphia will let him. But two, is that really a job that Jim Curtin really wants to take to rectify that situation? I'm looking more at like an LAFC, a Seattle eventually, if Brian Schmetzer ever leaves and does something new. Jim Curtin can take that kind of job. But you got to remember, Jim Curtin's best friend or one of his really good friends is Jesse Marsh. And so listening and, and visiting with Jesse over the last couple of seasons, both pre-COVID and post-COVID, you know, he's connected with Jesse to understand how you would make the next move to go over there. So it actually wouldn't surprise me at all if Jim takes a chance on something and says, you know what, I'm going to go do something in Europe eventually when the kids maybe are in college or whatnot. This was my next question. I, I, as soon as, as soon as Henry, you touched on on him leaving Philadelphia, in my heart of hearts, I can't see him 
unless maybe an LAFC or, or a Seattle, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Taylor. I can't see him anywhere anywhere else. For me, it has to be Europe. He's earned that right. It's not all. A lot of it is about trophies, but it's not all about trophies. You can see what he's done there. He's instilled that, Taylor. You you mentioned, you know, players coming in. It's an easy, it's easy style of play. We've seen over the last couple of years, youngsters have come into that first 11, and they've been at Philly for years, and they've been playing in that shape. Yep. They've been drilled so well drilled from from the top top down. He's got everything so organized there. And I think he he definitely deserves a shot in Europe. And he's very straightforward. So his man managing works for the biggest of stars to the academy players. He coaches players up. You know, oftentimes when foreigners come to Major League Soccer, they're actually reinvigorated, for lack of a better word, because they get to actually coach, they get to teach players. Uh, movements and patterns and, and different little things where in Europe, it's all about survival. You know, you're trying to just get the most out of the situation, but you're not really rolling up your sleeves and coaching and managing. And over here in Major League Soccer, you are. And so a lot of the European people that come over think see that. And for the American, like a Jim Curtin that has done that, now they kind of want to go test themselves over right in the thick of things and I think Bob Bradley, Jesse Marsh doing that. Now Chris Armour is going to Manchester United. It wouldn't surprise me if Jim Curtin down the road t- tries to maybe uh, take advantage of that. I, I I have to ask you about Chris Armour. Is it harsh of me to be a little surprised at that move? No, it's not harsh of anyone. I, I, I mean, listen, I was surprised when I heard the news. I, I broke the news, however, because I think there's this this weird... And it still exists. And no matter what, until someone is successful, you got to do it. But Christian Pulisic, Giovanni Reyna, Weston McKinney, they're starting to take the preconceived ideas about the American player off, right? There's some growth there. The coaches and managers, that still exists, right? So naturally, because Jesse Marsh and Bob Bradley, their tenures were very quick at their certain situations, even though both situations were different. You hear Chris Armour, you're like, wait a minute, what? This is a guy that struggled at the Red Bulls. This is a guy that went to Toronto and absolutely struggled there, even though that situation is he brought the Red Bull mentality to a team that was way old and could not do that. So that's where he messed up. But that doesn't mean he may not be a really good assistant coach. Like that's what people, you know, Olga or Solskjaer, it's another one, right? Like maybe he's a really good assistant coach. Maybe he's not a head coach. So Chris Armas could go over here and actually have success. And then everyone's going to look at him and go, what? He's a Ralph guy. Ralph hired him at New York Red Bulls. He worked with Jesse Marsh. Jesse is 100% a Ralph guy. So that part didn't surprise me. I just thought Jesse Marsh being fired may have thrown a wrinkle into it. And maybe Ralph said, you know, I need to have a conversation with Jesse. But Jesse's got 18 months left on his deal. So I, I doubt he's going to give that away to go be the assistant at Manchester United. So you mentioned there Jesse Marsh, of course, he's uh, he's left his post in Europe. Do you think he, he would come back to MLS or is he going to stick around in Europe? I'd be shocked, honestly, Henry, if he comes back because I think he will get another chance. I think with how good he was at Salzburg and I think with his pedigree of being in the Red Bull system, you guys, all three of us would agree, for better or worse, a lot of people are infatuated with the Red Bull system and philosophy and so I would be stunned if he doesn't get the job. I think he's going to stay. Now, whether or not he comes here, but he's got kids. They're in school. I'd be shocked if he comes to Major League Soccer at this moment. 
So looking then, uh, before we talk about MLS Cup and before we talk, you know, about more about your career, because of course this is the first time. It took us a hundred episodes, but we finally got you on the show. <laughs> um, just looking back at MLS Cup playoffs, then uh, there's been the underdog story of RSL, and then the likes of Seattle who have, have disappointed. Wh- who have you been impressed with, and who have you been disappointed with so far? Well, it, it's a good question. Honestly, let me ask, answer your question with another question. Have you guys liked the one-off cup-style uh, playoffs, or do you prefer the two-legged system? Yes, I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you prefer the one-off, right? Because I think in, in two-legged games, you know, especially when they were being played like four days after each other, you've got the traveling and you've got all of that involved as well. And I think having the penalties there, if it. Seattle and RSL draw nil nil without having a shot. RSL win on penalties. You could then get Seattle going to RSL and winning three or four nil. I think it just adds to it, and it it makes it more of an event as well. And I think I've seen this with Colorado, the way they their fans turned up for their match. I think it makes it more of an event, and it, I mean, MLS is all about entertaining the fans, right? And I think it's entertained us on TV. I, I agree. I mean, the schedule is a difficult one whenever you're trying to do this in November with American football and certain owners having teams in both leagues. And so scheduling is difficult. So it's difficult for MLS to pull that together. I'm with you. I've done everything from three games. I've done everything from two games. And I think the one-off game is interesting. Now, the, the contrary part of that is people will say, well, the regular season play, play isn't rewarded. And what people don't understand, you get the home game. Right. So they're rewarding you with the home game. Seattle wasn't that good against Salt Lake. Great story for Salt Lake, but Seattle wasn't that good. New England were off, but yet they had 23 days off. What people don't know, the 23 days was that their fault. It could have been 16 days, but they didn't want to play on Thanksgiving. So you've got all these extra factors that throw it in there. In October, New York City was out of the playoffs. And we did their game. John and I did their game on ESPN against the New York Red Bulls, and they lost that game. And I said at halftime and took a lot of criticism for it, I still would not count out New York City. And the reason why I bring it off is not to pat myself. Well, actually, it is to pat myself on the back. But more <laughs> so, the truth of it is, is they're deep. They got a team that doesn't have the David Villas and Andrea Pirlos and Frank Lampards anymore. But they've also got a team that kind of believes in what they're doing with the best scouting department in the entire world of City Football Group. And so you saw that against Philadelphia. They were absolute minging in the first half, as you guys would say. <laughs> and yet, they bring on Magno, they bring on Tor Aronson, and they bring in Tajori Shradi. And it completely changed the game. Magno's an $8 million teenager. So New York City's just different this year. I've been impressed with them. Um I'm disappointed in the revolution. This thing was set up for them to have their dream run and to finally win it. It was set up. They had 50,000 people sold for a game Sunday. If they won Tuesday night against New York city, they laid an egg. Uh, and it's, it, that is the most disappointing thing of the playoffs in my opinion. To come off the back of that, I, I think the thing that appealed to me when, when I went to my first MLS game and there's the reason we're stood here now and we've done 99 episodes previous to this is because it grips you. It's the entertainment versus, you know, I can spend a fortune and go to a Premier League game, but it's, MLS is something so special and and there's there's something in that. And I think, I, I mean, I, I tweeted the other day when RSL got through and, you know, New York and Atlanta suddenly made a late run for the playoffs. If you don't like that, you've set your league up wrong. You know, but ultimately, that's the entertainment. That's that's why we're here. 
Well, it, it, it's the real, it, it's the most important part about the creation of Major League Soccer. They treated it mainly because a lot of their owners initially were NFL owners. They want parity. They want to sell parity. They want to sell every single time you go to the stadium, you don't know who's really going to win. Now, I think they can grow from that and still keep some of that while allowing some managers and managers, some owners that really want to spend money and compete with the top clubs in this hemisphere, they need to allow that and grow because the league is where it is. But you hit the nail on the head. They want the fan to buy a ticket and go to the stadium and that day knowing there's a 50-50 chance they're winning. Because you, us three can go to a Premier League game and 80% of the time we're going to know who's going to win. Now, it makes the Luster City accomplishment one of the more fantastic best stories in sports history. But that's one in a gazillion times, right? That's 80% of the time we could go to a Premier League game. We could go to a Bundesliga game. We're pretty much going to know who wins. MLS says, you know what? Our foundation wants to be built on parity and expect the unexpected. And I think we've kind of got that in the playoffs. Yeah. As an example, Nashville didn't lose at home all season, but we still kind of thought "Mm, there's a chance that there's a chance that they could lose that playoff game. You know, it, it was, it was not a done deal. And I think, that's why we're here. That's why we're invested in it. And as a as a um, addition to the reasons that we don't like the second, the, the two leg, it gets to eighty minutes in the in the first leg, and everyone's happy. Agreed. Oh, we'll just play another game, and it gets boring. It gets boring. There's there's no jeopardy on the line in that game, and I get it. Listen, if you had no scheduling problems, if you weren't traveling four time zones, sometimes like people don't people on the outside that don't live here or don't watch this and go. You have no idea how difficult it is to play a game Saturday night in Seattle and then to play a game Wednesday, even if it's in Salt Lake or Colorado, that it's just difficult. It's not easy. And so uh, I I can support both. I'm not that hard fast on either, but I like the fact that it's one game and something's going to happen that night. Someone's got to be committed to it. I prefer that over let's wait it out. We've got an away goal. Then it turns into a chess match. It sometimes gets very dull. I think there's a lot of UK fans that will agree on the the, the time zone thing as well because I, I flew I flew over to America and I went the next day I went to a game I struggled to stay awake <laughs> and I'm thinking how do they do this this is impossible when they fly New York to LA it's crazy. Steven Gerrard looked at me and he was like, "Bro, LA to New York and we play the next day. That is no joke." I'm like, "It's a six hour flight." Taking a six-hour flight from London, where where are you going to – you know what I'm saying? Like, you can end up at a beautiful beach somewhere. You're flying L.A. to New York. It's like flying across the world. People don't get that. People don't understand how big of an impact that is on the game. So, uh, rounding off our chat about the playoffs and the regular season then, um, it's it, well, it was announced yesterday um, as we put this out that uh, New England Revolution, you, you spoke so uh, highly of them and you can tell the passion you've got for them. Uh, they have an MVP on their books now. Are you, uh, are you happy with that decision? Uh, absolutely. Carlos Hill, I, I've said this, I, I will continuously say this, if he stays healthy, and plays in New England for seven, eight, nine years. He's the best player that team, that franchise has ever had. And they've had some really good teams. I was part of the majority of them, but he is a different player. He's a complete game changer. He's had a fantastic season. Uh, It's unfortunate that he's not in MLS Cup and that team's not, because when you've set a record in the regular season for most points in the best team ever, a lot of it was on the shoulders of Carlos Hill 
He, he just is a special player and a game changer. He's adjusted to life here. He's adjusted to playing on turf. Um, he's just a real good player. In the Gustavo Bo, who is best 11, the Adam Bookses of the world, they're not the same without him. It's obvious. And so when it came to voting for the MVP, I think everyone else was having the conversation, well, who's second? Because obviously this was uh, this was Carlos Heels to lose. So uh, let's pick up on that then. Who is second? Because I'm, I'm voting Mukatar. Man, this is a tough one. See, here's the hard one on this one. Like, Jao Paulo is a special player, but he's a six slash, you know, more defensive eight. He's not going to get the notoriety, but my, he is it. He, his name's brought up by more opposing coaches than anyone else in the league. Now, now Mukhtar had a fantastic year. Quite honestly, Nashville's not even anywhere close to where they are if Mukhtar's not on there, similar to Carlos Heel and, and his impact. But Jao Paulo, for me, I mean, Seattle was missing. Think of this, guys, and you know the, the salary structure is better than anyone. If you're missing two of your three highest-paid players in Major League Soccer, you should struggle. And Seattle was up for the number one seed for the following weekend. A lot of that is because Jao Paulo. Um, so speaking still of N- uh, New England Revolution then, uh, NE Revs, as I was going to call them, uh, the rebrand, the, we've seen a lot of uh, controversial rebrands in MLS recently, but I think this one's gone down quite well. Would you agree? Yeah, it, and I love the fact that they didn't announce they're an FC or SC. I love the fact that they kept the revolution. I'm an NASL baby. My, my dad played in the NASL for eight years, and I love the Sounders and the Timbers and the Whitecaps because – that's ingrained in that society and in that culture since the 1970s. Some of the MLS teams have come into this, and, and I get it. They want to they want to be more of a global perspective. I have no problem with that, but I think it's okay to be American too. And so, if they would have rebranded and said we're Boston FC or Boston SC, as important as downtown Boston is to the growth of the Revs, now kids from '96 that are now parents and their kids and then their grandkids, you could talk about the revolution. They consulted with the fans. Fantastic idea, as they should. But you know what people lose mindset of? Liverpool has updated their brand or updated their badge four times in their history. But no one wants to, you know, no one wants to compare it. I'm not, you know what I'm trying to say. It happens. The Yankees have changed it. It's not like it's made this huge thing, but they've updated it. They've changed it throughout time. It's part of business. I just love the fact they stayed with the Revs. I really do. Because when they build that stadium in downtown uh, Boston, eventually, it's going to be revolution. It's just, it's now ingrained in the culture here, and it's going to be there for 50, 60, 70 years. And I think the badge is actually really sharp. I think they did something that's kind of cool back in the way this city was founded. And so uh, of all the rebrands, I would argue that's the best one. But then again, full disclosure, Sporting Kansas City, when it named themselves, I made fun of it. Till the cows came home because I'm like, what sporting club are you? And yet no one talks about it. You know what I mean? So it did, some things get up in an uproar and then history and they win and they're a cool brand. No one talks about the fact that they're called Sporting Kansas City anymore. Moving away from MLS, Taylor, I've got to ask you about Preston North End. Is it true that you almost moved over here to the UK and played for Preston? Absolutely. I almost, I mean, I was already looking for real estate. Um, so I, I had always wanted to play in England. I felt like my game fit the style in England, whether it was low level Premier League, high level championship, whatever it may be. I'd never really wanted to go to a place 
uh, that I was going to sit, but I couldn't get a work permit. And so this is way before, well, excuse me, way after the grandparents, if you had that, I didn't have any of that. And so I needed to play 75% of competitive games in a national team year. In 06, when I didn't make the, when I was the last player cut from the World Cup team, that stopped me from making that move. So if I would have gone to the World Cup, then I would have got the permit because I would have appealed it. I didn't. 07, Bob Bradley, beginning of the year, said, I know you're trying to get over there. You're going to get your shot. So I played 75%. The day I played the game that guaranteed it, I had two phone calls. And two were to my agent, but my agent called and said, Newcastle is very interested and Preston North End. And there was a third club. I think it was Bronby in Denmark, maybe. But anyways, that's not that's neither the point. Um, and Paul Mariner, RIP, was my assistant coach and Steve Nichol was my head coach. And so I went to Stevie and Paul and they were like, you're not leaving. I'm like, just listen. And so we had a conversation. I knew they weren't going to like it. And the offer needed to be somewhere behind Clint Dempsey and more than Tim Howard. And Preston North End came in right away and said, here's $3 million. And at the time in 2007, that was the second largest transfer for an American ever out of MLS. And I was honestly, guys, at that point, I was stunned they didn't take it because Clint just left to go to Fulham for $4 million. And so at that time, I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not playing regularly for the national team. Three million was a real good number. Um, everything about the setup for Preston football-wise, and I know everyone in England listening to this will say, because a lot of people told me Preston isn't the most beautiful place to live. I didn't care. I knew if I go over there and some coach or manager gave me 25 to 30 games, I was going to score enough goals and then move on and see where it went and the Kraft family in Major League Soccer said he's not for sale and there's no number that's there. And that, and that was that was gut-wrenching. Um, and then my career ended six months later with the concussion. So it never came to fruition. But to answer your question in a long-winded way, absolutely. I had two houses picked out already. I was My bags were packed and ready to go because I just didn't think they were going to say no to that number. Well, someone who uh, lives 45 minutes away from Preston, I, I can say that, okay, Preston might not be the most nicest place, that, but in the surrounding areas, there's some lovely parts of Lancashire. So you would have settled, you would have settled. Um, just going on, and, and you said there about, um, obviously, a few months after that, you uh, you sadly, you had the injury that then forced you to retire a few years later. Do you ever look back at that moment where you could have signed for Preston and think, what if? I do. Um, David Moyes was uh, at Everton at the time. Joe Max Moore had great success at Everton. Brian McBride had great success at Fulham. Uh, those were players that had spoke to a lot of other coaches in England highly on my behalf. And so they all felt like, you know, I just felt like, yes, listen, it, that guy, that game, that style of play, it suited me. Get on the end of things in and around the 18, uh, hold up play, keep it simple, move on. You know, poor man's Alan Shear for what you will, whatever you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, but once you're told you need to stop playing if you want to live the rest of your life, I kind of stopped feeling weird or, or, or sad about it and kind of said, it, it's my situation. It is what it is. But the 2010 World Cup, I would have gone. Uh, and then who knows what happens after that, right? So, yeah, you go through that. But truth be told, the injury sucks. It's completely changed my life. 
And it is what it is. So I've kind of stopped thinking about it. You are like an ambassador for um, basically concussion injuries within sports yep. and how how they should be dealt with from uh, not only adult football, but also kids football as well. The way we see in now the likes of concussion substitutions being introduced, is that a good thing um, in terms of that's what they should be doing? Or is there still a lot more of what they can do? We're still making some terrible decisions with the science and the facts that we now know. Uh, but we are open to conversations. The amount of conversations I have with Premier League teams and their medical staffs, that is a sign of progress because that is the one place in the world. Now, nah, I shouldn't say that because that's unfair. South America as well, because quite honestly, there's no word that translates directly concussion in Spanish, which has been one of the things I've tried to work on here with some of the uh, Latino and Spanish players, Spanish speaking players in Major League Soccer to try to get them to understand. On that topic, side note, but Tata Martino had to watch a concussion video that I helped make for MLS Players Union, and he talked to me about it for 25 minutes. This is Tata Martino from Barcelona, from Argentina. Now, and he was so interested in how to get that video to the Spanish players because he said, it's we don't understand it, and he has seen it in his life. He has seen ex-players struggle. He, he literally – opened up through his translator for almost 30 minutes sitting down with me about the importance of this message. And honestly, people look at me sometimes as the grim reaper. I'm the opposite. I want the sport to continue. I want the sport to prosper. But if we can't evolve on this injury, then we're kind of like, then we kind of deserve to be put into this place of like, we're players. The last thing I want to see is a player die on the field and some of the decisions that we have seen in World Cup finals and in European World Cup qualifiers, it's pathetic and it's borderline. It's borderline inhumane on how some of these decisions are made in 2021 when we have all the scientific information that says, you know what, maybe we should. Alan Shearer is one of the best spokespersons on this in England. Fantastic what he's done. Yeah, I watched. He did a, de- a dementia documentary. Yeah. How he, you know, and it was it was amazing. It was on BBC. So if anyone hasn't seen that, I'm I'm sure it'd be on YouTube or something. Yeah, Check that out. Um, lucky, I know. Um, you know, we've had so much of your time. So we, uh, I want to talk to you just before we cover MLS Cup. I want to talk to you about the US Men's National Team. Of course, it went viral across the world when the, the US <laughs> Men's National Team didn't make the last World Cup. Hopefully, uh, you won't need to do that again this time. Um, where do you see the US Men's National Team now and going into the 2026 World Cup? Uh, as high as the ceiling is for some of these players and in, in where they're playing, we've never had a time where players are regularly playing at some of the biggest clubs in the world. So this is unknown territory for any of us within the U.S. men's national team ranks, both ex-players, commentators, coaches, whatever it may be. So it's kind of hard to, um, to try to articulate where this is going and where the prospects are. You are hosting the World Cup in 2026, so there are high expectations I think un- uh, unrealistic expectations at times. And yet in saying that they're still in a dogfight to qualify guys, they still could finish fourth and go to the, the playoff, which is now a one game playoff, no longer two legged. So uh, a- as good as it's been, uh, Canada has improved exponentially and Panama has been really strong. And so this thing is not done yet. It's going to be very difficult games this winter in January and February and some cold weather, uh, it, it's crazy. Um, 
the prospects are high to answer your question. Is it like what it was in 2017? No, but if you don't qualify for the World Cup, then what, what, the, what are we doing? Do you think that would be detrimental to uh, promoting soccer in the U.S. if for a second consecutive World Cup, yes. the U.S. aren't there? Well, the first one cost hundreds of millions of dollars. So, uh, and so, yeah, the answer is yes. The first one was detrimental. The second one would be would be awful. Would absolutely destroy it, especially when you look at the depth of the roster and where these players are playing. And then what, what's the excuse then? Because everyone naturally wants to say, well, it's MLS's fault. That's where this thing gets, well, okay, if they don't qualify this one, then whose fault is it? In fairness, we've been there with England. If you look at 2006, the squad that yep. England had was was unbelievable. Looking back in hindsight, it's it's frightening. Didn't didn't do anything, and <laughs> um, and and what's happening now is is obviously incredible. But we, as people who have a keen interest in U.S. soccer, we of course want you guys to, to do really well. But our consolation will will happily accept another Taylor, Taylor Twelman rant video. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> See, the best part about that is I was in. Are, are either of you guys golfers? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll go, to the, I'll go to the driving range. Yeah. No, but okay. So you guys will maybe appreciate this. The next day, because I assumed the U.S. was going to qualify, I had scheduled 36 holes at Shinnecock. Oh, yeah. And at National on the, uh, uh, on the island. So I was like, oh, cool. So I'll just, you know, I'll go down to the Hamptons after we're fine be a great trip it was like nine guys ten guys were going we we're meeting a couple guys down there and as the game's going on the whole time i'm thinking oh my god i'm gonna have to cancel my golf trip <laughs> <laughs> and then, so so the rants that everyone knows me for whatever guys that was as unscripted as anything's ever been in my entire life i mean quite frankly i don't script anything but like that was real and i am so thankful for one thing i didn't drop a single f word in that rant that is amazing in that moment to not say the F word. Amazing. So are we, are we saying then uh, 30% disappointment that the U.S. men's national team didn't make the, play, the World Cup, 70% the fact that you had to cancel your golf game? I would go more 90-10. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> um, so looking ahead to MLS Cup then, uh, I know you've, we, we spoke about New York uh, City FC before. Looking at it from Portland's point of view, uh, they'll go into it, I assume, naturally favourites because they're at home. Do, would you agree with that? And, um, yes. you know, how do you rate Portland's season? Uh, because, I mean, August, 6-2 against Seattle, they were down and out, right? Yeah, yep. And look at New York City. Both teams kind of rejuvenated. New York City had gone winless in six games, if I'm not mistaken. When I really looked at this from a Portland perspective, to your guys' point, Timbers Army, it's a cathedral for the game. It's one of the best places in this country to watch a game. It's going to be very difficult for New York City the third time in a row to go into a hostile environment and try to get a result. Um, but yeah, when they lost to Seattle 6-2, if you would have told me they're going to be hosting MLS Cup, I would have said you're completely out of your mind. But in MLS fashion, expect the unexpected. And here we go, two teams that in October – May, uh, September more so, we're like, I don't know if they're going to be good. And here we are. Yeah, mid-July, uh, New York City 5th, Portland 8th. I mean, it's it's crazy looking back. And we've gone through all of these all of these, dra these dramas in the playoffs this year with RSL and all of these teams. And ultimately, we've ended up with Portland in the final, which has become standard. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, 
the last seven years there will be Seattle or Portland in the final. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's Cascadia. I mean, Vancouver needs to up their game, you know, and get into some MLS cuts because <laughs> Cascadia are really dominating at the moment. I think I think Vancouver may be ousted from Cascadia until they up their game a little bit. <laughs> it is remarkable. Um, so looking ahead, Dan, have you got a prediction? Where Where is it going? I think we get ourselves one of the best MLS Cups in a long time. And the reason why I say that is oftentimes Cup finals are slow, pragmatic. Uh, that's almost impossible to do that in front of Timbers Army. Uh, Portland will try to play that way. Uh, New York City, obviously, on the road. It, so let me say this. The prediction is going to be one of two things. One of the teams is going to be have to have to be comfortable with the ball. And if it's New York City, I think it's understated that they are comfortable with the ball. Portland doesn't love the ball as much as as other teams. And so you're going to get, I just think in front of Timber, you're going to get a spectacle, as John Champion would often say. And I think we got ourselves a 2-1 game. Now, who wins that game? I honestly don't know that. A lot of it's going to depend, and you guys are talking to me on Monday before MLS Cup, how much time does Blanco play? Does he start? You know, where are a couple players from New York City? I think fitness is going to be a part of it, but I would be shocked if we don't get like a 2-1 final with, you know, quality goals and obviously some situations at the end that could be controversial. It's certainly one to look forward to, I would say, more than more than some of the others that we've had in recent times. It's, it's very intriguing, I think, is is the word. It's going to be a yeah. spectacle. And plus, we all want to see, to, to your guys' point, we all want to see what Portland does host an MLS Cup. We really do. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. We said to John Champion last week uh, on the last episode that out of all the stadiums in MLS, when we discuss what would we like to go uh, and see, Portland's is always up there and to host MLS Cup. And I've got to say, New York City FC, they've got some good fans as well. So they'll be adding to the, the spectacle. Yep, absolutely they will. But John's 100% right. The place that convinced John to move over here and to take the job and cover MLS was a game that he and I did in Portland. And I could see it in his eyes. And he said, this is what the league is. And I said, it's not all like Portland, but you're going to be shocked in about three years, you're going to have about 14, 15 stadiums where you're going to look around and go, are we sure we're in the United States? And then that didn't include Minnesota. That didn't include Austin. That didn't include Cincinnati. And so even John would tell you, there's only like three or four stadiums in this league where you're kind of like, eh, I could take or leave it. Everything else is is of top notch in the experience, the environment, and now the game's picking up. But Portland was the place that convinced John Champion to do this. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us on our 100th episode. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. Yep. I appreciate your work, guys. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. How amazing was that? MLS legend Taylor Twelman uh, joined us on the MLS UK show for our 100th episode. And uh, I was thinking all the way through that, I was like, we've teased this interview throughout the, the episode, yet I'm going to just put it in the title of the episode, who the guest <laughs> is. So, uh, you know, we were, thanks for indulging that. But how great was Taylor? I. Honestly, a pleasure to speak to. I know sometimes he's very outspoken. I was really nervous to speak yeah, to yeah. him as well um, because he's somebody who's played a huge part in in our love for, for the American game, um, but gave us so much time. Uh, he's a very busy man. Uh, really, really, really good to chat to him. And how we're on 100 episodes, I have no idea, but yeah. I'm here for it. By the way, thanks to John Champion for bigging us up. $10 is in the post to you, John. Uh, but... Um, yeah, he came on and was like, ask me anything, 
you guys are great. And it was like, wow, okay, well, I think we, so we took nearly an hour of his time and uh, I think we only agreed 20 minutes. So uh, <laughs> sorry about that. But it was our 100th episode, so he's given us some leeway. And if that wasn't exciting enough, this, this, forget Taylor Tolman, forget John Champion. This is the moment I've been waiting for. So for episode 108, we haven't been doing this feature, Henry's Guide to North America, for 100 episodes, but it feels like 100 episodes that he's been asking me, when are we doing Nashville? And we've now literally done every team in MLS. We've done even Aberdeen. We've done others just so he can put off (laughs) Nashville. And, uh, well, Elliot, the time has come. Because now it's her time for Henry's Guide to Nashville. Oh, yeah, because Nashville is um, famous for its country music. It is. Yes! (laughs) Come on! Hey, Elliot. Hey, Henry. Did you know? By the way, we're doing Guide to Nashville. I had hope they got to MLS Cup and we could link it all together. We didn't, so we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Did you know that Nashville is the capital of Tennessee and has a population of 700,000 people? Oh, do go on. Although it might not have been the capital, because in 1843, there was a battle between Nashville and neighbouring Merseyborough, which I'm thankful that Nashville won it. <laughs> uh, to be the capital of Tennessee, Nashville obviously won. Hey, Elliot. Hey, Henry. Did you know that it is the home of country music in the States? Yes, I did. It's nicknamed Music City, and it was given that nickname by a radio announcer called David Cobb. He was on Nashville's WSM Radio, which was the first FM broadcast licensed radio station. Nice. Uh, Elvis recorded over 200 songs in the city's RCA studio, and there are still some Christmas lights and a Christmas tree up in the studio that Elvis hung himself. They've not took him down since he uh, since he passed away. Me and Henry have done some really big interviews over the years with RCA artists. Um, unfortunately, it was with the likes of Megan Trainer. Yes, <laughs> not he from is, Nashville. He's very talented, but with respect, she's not Elvis. Um, he hung these not at Christmas, but when he was recording his Christmas album. Because as you can imagine, when people record Christmas oh, albums, it's not Christmas, not Christmas. So he, he hung up decorations, put a tree up, and turned the aircon up to full blast so he could get the Christmas Love feel. It. Love it. And they've still not took the decorations down. And in fact, the studio, the lights are all red and green for Christmas to commemorate that. Um, there are over 150 live music venues in Nashville, um, with uh, those that have music on for over four nights of the week having a special guitar pick sign display sign that's how you know so if you're in nashville and you're like oh i want to see some music if you see these you know you can see music more than four nights of the uh, week during prohibition many of the print paper shops uh, in printer alley in nashville became secret bars once prohibition ended it meant that they could all open as bars and there's some that are still there today uh, Nashville's Capitol building was built in 1859 and it's one of America's oldest Capitol buildings still in operation famous food from Nashville include hot chicken which is like spicy chicken so I don't mind a bit of buffalo chicken with ranch sauce but I know you're like me we're not really into our spice plain yeah so uh, not for us maybe we might uh, just have the chi- yeah plain let's go with plain I'll have a lot of mayo on it <laughs> uh, you can also have meat and free that is a dish that's uh, meat so it could be chicken uh, meatloaf pork chops and then you get free sides with it which... I'm more of a meat and two kind of guy 
well, you get meat and free in Nashville. Uh, so you're talking macaroni, potatoes. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. And corn, etc. Um, they're also big fans of chocolate in Nashville. And funnily enough, I don't mean to uh, bring up my chat with the Cooligans, hanging out with them again. Just pick that name up that you uh, dropped again. But uh, Alexis said that when he was at the bar, he said, can we get, where can we get food in Manchester? So he said, oh, there's a pizza place down the, uh, down the street. And he went, I'm from New York. I'm not having a pizza. <laughs> Which is fair point. But then he had some chocolate cake and said how great it was. And I was like, okay, you guys do better pizza than us in England. We do better chocolate. Cakes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Nashville may like the chocolate, but we do it better. Um, famous people. Uh, now, when I was looking at famous people born in Nashville, all I could find was Lisa from Saved by the Bell, <laughs> who, like Voorhees, is famous in my eyes because I love that show. But I thought, well, let's have a look at famous people from Tennessee. So we've got Dolly Parton, Morgan Freeman, Justin Timberlake, Quentin Tarantino, Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, uh, Miley Cyrus, and uh, if you're into your wrestling, Randy Orton is also from there. Justin Timberlake's from Memphis, right? Yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. We know. Um, Oprah Winfrey was the first female African-American news anchor in the city. And finally, uh, we mentioned Elvis before. Of course, we all know Elvis uh, was not from uh, Tennessee. He's from Mississippi. But his ranch, Graceland, was in Tennessee. That's where he died and he's now a museum. And your mum went to visit. She did, yeah. And that, Elliot, is not only the final Henry's Guide to North America... But that was Henry's Guide to Nashville. Famous, of course, for its country music. Are you happy now? You don't have to ask me. Stop talking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was tempted to do Charlotte instead, looking forward to it. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Um, It was a pleasure. So let's have a look now ahead to this weekend in MLS. Normally we would do predictions, but as we all know, I have absolutely battered you this season in predictions. So I'm willing to do something for you, though, to make it interesting. No. No, you're not interested? Okay. I was going to say we could do double our quits. No, because I bet I still can't catch you. I'm not stupid. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Winner take all. Winner oh. takes all. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Uh, right, before we do make our prediction, and it's the winner take all, um, we spoke to Taylor about it there. But uh, looking ahead to Portland, New York City FC, are these the right teams in it? I know we can look at New England Revolution and, and uh, you know, like the Seattles and Sporting KCs of the world, but it should be a great spectacle. I'm actually looking forward to it a lot more than I would be if it was like a Seattle, New England. Well, as I, as I mentioned to Taylor, I I tweeted saying, if you don't like the way that it's structured, you've set your league up wrong. Ultimately, RSL can beat Seattle and go through on penalties without having a shot on goal. That's the way the league's been set up. These two teams can be mid-table in July and then make a late run for the playoffs and get to the final. So are they the two correct teams? Yes, because they have survived this knockout phase and made it into the into MLS Cup. Now, Portland are at home. Thank goodness, because I couldn't deal with the final oh, at just imagine. Yankee State. Like, thank goodness for that. But um, Taylor's right. One of these teams has got to play football. And I think New York City is a better footballing side. But Portland have the home advantage. That's what's going to make this fascinating. Cassianos is back as well for New York City FC. I was thinking against Philadelphia that you you obviously saw uh, before it. It was like, this player's injured, this player sorry, got COVID, this player's got COVID, whatever. Then you realise that Cassianos was out for New York City. You're like, actually, that is a bit of a, it's a bit of an equaliser, yeah, yeah, really. So him back is is going to be great for New York City FC. I really, I can't wait for it. And honestly, 
Say this was at a neutral ground, I couldn't call it. No. Which makes it really exciting. Portland are going to make it an event. I can't wait to see the event. But New York City FC, with the experience of going to New England and Philadelphia, and yeah, okay, Philadelphia plays out, but still, that was a, a biggie, a busy, big crowd. I, I, you, New York could go and cause a, a really upset, break some hearts in Portland. I'm going to go for, are we talking the score predictions for 90 minutes? Um, I'd tell you what, do 90 minutes and then if it goes to play, if it goes to extra time, I'll let, I'll let you see who's going to win the trophy. I'm going to say 2-2 two, two at full time. Oh, there we go. And I'm going to say Portland win. Okay, so right, let's, let me think now. So it's winner take all, but if we get a similar result, that means I'll win. <laughs> so I'm going to go for... 2-2 two, two <laughs> in normal time. <laughs> no, I think... Um, I'm tempted to go with Taylor and say it's going to be a 2-1 game. But I feel... I'd, I I feel that it's Portland's this time. I think um, Portland at home. But then New York's... No, I'm going to go with Portland. Uh, I'm going to go with Portland. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2-1 Portland. 2-1 Portland. Okay, so I've gone 2-2 draw. Portland to win it overall. And you've gone 2-1 Portland. Yes. If you want to have your say and tell us what you predict, get in touch at MLS UK Show. Twitter, Instagram, or you can comment below on YouTube, or you can uh, email us, hello at MLS.show. We never give that out. Uh, you can uh, shout it to us through our windows. We're like, uh, I can't wait for this match. It's going to be an amazing occasion. And, uh, and yeah, what a way to lead in from our 100th episode to lead into. Yeah, completely. Um, before we go, we need to... Uh, take a look at who our game with a changing name player was. A uh, special one today because it's our 100th episode. Uh, and of course, Taylor Swellman was talking about his potential move to uh, Preston North End, which yeah. never really came off. Uh, so I decided to give you a player that has played for Preston, has won the Premier League and has won MLS Cup. A true legend of the sport, I'm sure you and everybody else will agree. Henry, who was it? He played on loan for Preston for a few games at the start of his career. Five games. It was David Beckham. David Beckham, of course, Manchester United legend, uh, went on to play for Real Madrid, LA Galaxy, AC Milan, PSG, where he retired, and of course now uh, owner of Miami. David Beckham is the 100th player on the game with a change in name, and what a fitting way to end. Do you know what's funny is um, a mate of mine at the time uh, was at uni in 2008, was in uni in Preston, about the time that Taylor said he was going to sign from. Who knows? I could have ended up going on a night out with Taylor Trollman and meeting him there. Probably wouldn't have. And he'd have probably gone, who's this fool? He but, actually did say that at the end of the chat. So. Yeah, knuckleheads. He knuckleheads, called. he called. Um, but uh, yeah, you never know how paths, how life could have changed. Yeah, I, I think that was ever going to happen. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for 100 episodes. Maybe this is your first. Welcome along. Uh, we'll try and do another 100 for you, but sorry. Um, but thank you so much for all of your support. It's absolutely crazy that we just went to a game once and here we are talking about it in my garage and there's thousands of people that actually care or pretend to care. Um, so thank you so much from both of us. We will be back, of course, with a season review uh, plenty for you in the close season as well. And then season five next year. 
Yeah, we've got so much stuff planned. I know we always say at the end of each episode what we do. Uh, we're hoping to bring you even more content as well and get more guests involved like Taylor. Uh, so stick with us. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your support from me. And I guess it's now time. Well, you say a goodbye. And then for the hundredth time, I say a certain word at the end of the episode. Two words, if you're lucky. Thank you very much. I've been Elliot Holman. Oh, I've been Henry Hewitt. See ya. Can't believe you messed up the hundredth one. That was four words. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.